I'm sorry it took so long to boot episode five, but here we are. We are back now, and we're ready with episode five, and we should be on track from now on. Yeah, that's right, Rara. Today's episode is called Beast and the Beauty. Henry, would you like to remind everyone why today's episode is special? Oh, yeah. Remember last time I told you this episode is special? So the special thing, if you forgot, is that it's two stories in one. The story of Hephaestus, the god of smiths and fire. And Aphrodite the goddess of love. And all the stories we read for our podcast were written a long time ago. And often they include words that our listeners may not know. Hey, Wawa, can't we explain some of those words? Sure, that's a great idea. Why don't we start with the word smith or smiths? Because in right at the beginning of our first story, we find out that the god the story is about, Hephaestus, is a smith. Do you know what a smith is, Henry? It's a person who makes things out of metal and fire. Did you know that, Rawa? I didn't until I read the story and you and I discovered that that's what the word meant. There's another word that comes up in the story of Hephaestus, and the word is quarrel or quarreling. They talk about Zeus and Hera, who are Hephaestus's parents, quarreling. Do you remember what that one means? Oh yeah, I think it means fighting or something like that. Right, having an argument. Yeah, yeah. Any other words, Yeah, there's another one. There's one that they say about Aphrodite, who is very, very beautiful. They say she's irresistible. Irresistible means like once you look at her, you just can't help it. For example, like if you run to the game and you're just uh, and your parents are just like it's time for dinner, and then like you're just like oh come on, can't I just do one more turn? I'm about to win this thing. That means irresistible. The game is irresistible, right? And then one last word that shows up in the story of Aphrodite too, and it's something about her son. He has a bow and arrow and he keeps his arrows in something called a quiver. The quiver is a thing that you wear around your neck at the back, and you put arrows in it, and then you get it out from the back, and then you put it on the arrow and then shoot it, and then it lands on something. But those aren't no ordinary arrows. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. We don't want to spoil the story, but I think you're going to find out soon what those arrows do. Yeah, maybe that can be a challenge. Do you think that 
good challenge, Robert? I, I think that's a great challenge. His arrows are real, or no ordinary arrows. Why are okay? they no ordinary arrows? Great. Well, we'll see everybody at the end of the story. Yep. It's time to listen to this episode. Hephaestus, the god of smiths and fire, was the son of Zeus and Hera. He was a hardworking, peace-loving god and was very fond of his mother. I love you. Often he tried to soothe her temper with gentle words. Once he had even dared to step between his quarreling parents, he sided with Hera. And that made Zeus so angry that he seized his son by the legs and flung him out of Olympus. For a whole day, Hephaestus hurtled through the air. In the evening, he fell on the island of Lemnos with a thump so hard that the island shook. Thetis, a gentle sea goddess, found him all broken and bruised. She bound his wounds and nursed him back to health. Zeus forgave him, and Hephaestus returned to Olympus. But ever after, he walked like a flickering flame. His body was big and strong, and his hands were wonderfully skilled, but his weak legs could not support him for long. He built for himself two robots of gold and silver to help him about. They had mechanical brains and could think for themselves. They could even speak with their tongues of silver. They also served him as helpers in his workshop on Olympus. It was there that Hephaestus made the twelve golden thrones of the gods and their marvelous weapons, chariots, and jewels. He also had forges, which are huge fires for working metal, inside volcanoes on Earth. His helpers were the one-eyed cyclopses. They kept the fires going, and swung his heavy hammers. When Hephaestus was at work, the din of the hammers could be heard for miles and sparks flew out of the tops of the mountains. All the Olympian gods were fond of Hephaestus and often went to his forge to admire his work. Nice. Ooh. Oh, nice. Ooh. Very nice. When Aphrodite, his lovely wife, came to his workshop to look at the matchless jewels he was fashioning for her, Ooh. she had to daintily lift her trailing dress out of the soot. One, two, one, two, three, four. Aphrodite, the beautiful goddess of love, was the only Olympian who had neither mother nor father. Nobody knew from where she had come. The west wind had first seen her in the pearly light of dawn as she rose out of the sea on a cushion of foam. She floated lightly over the gentle waves and was so lovely to behold that the wind almost lost his breath. With soft puffs, he blew her to the flowering island of Scythera, where the three graces welcomed her ashore. The three graces, goddesses of beauty, became her attendants. They dressed her in shimmering clothes, bedecked her with sparkling jewels, 
and placed her in a golden chariot drawn by white doves. Then they led her to Olympus, where all the gods rejoiced in her beauty, seated her on a golden throne, and made her one of them. Zeus was afraid the gods would fight over who got to marry Aphrodite, and to prevent it, he quickly chose a husband for her. He gave her to Hephaestus, the steadiest of the gods, and he, who could hardly believe his good luck, used all his skill to make the most fantastic jewels for her. He made her a belt of finely woven gold, put magic into it. That was not very smart of him, for when she wore her magic belt, no one could resist her, and she was all too irresistible already. Aphrodite had a mischievous little son whose name was Eros. He darted about with a bow and a quiver full of arrows. They were arrows of love, and he delighted in shooting them into the hearts of unwary victims. Whoever was hit by one of his arrows fell head over heel in love with the first person he saw. While Eros laughed mockingly. <laughs> Once a year, Aphrodite returned to Cythera and dived into the sea from which she had come. Sparkling and young, she rose from the water as dewy fresh as on the day when she had first been seen. She loved parties and fancy things and was not at all pleased at being the wife of sooty, hard-working Hephaestus. She would have rather had his brother Ares for her husband. Oh, yeah. at the beginning of this episode. Yeah, we did. Well, we're the arrows. <laughs> so, if you'd like to pause and try to think, that's exactly what you should do if you're not in the call. Okay, and pause. Okay? Welcome back. If you paused for a minute to think about the answer to our challenge, and that challenge was, what did Eros's arrows do? Eros is the son of Aphrodite, if you remember, and he had arrows in his quiver. What did they do? Well, Lenny, if you remember, they shooted them into the hearts of people, but they didn't die. They would just fall in love with the first person they see. But do you know what would be kind of funny, Lala? What? If if he shooted an arrow, if he shooted an arrow into the hearts of somebody, and then the first person they saw was him, he would be in big trouble. Yeah, he would be. Arrows would be in big trouble. What if the first thing they saw was like? a donkey or a or a toasted cheese sandwich what if they what if they fell in love with a toasted cheese sandwich that would be a real problem even for the gods 
Thanks for listening today to episode five. And we promise next time it won't be so long until you get episode six. On Halloween Bell, we'll present myths. Hey, that kind of rhymes. Bye. Bye. See you next time. This has been a production of Dead Horse Radio.